to the Morning Sky Show with Super Sly 75. You're listening to OnTheWakeUpRadio.com. Sign up for OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Shout out to our super producer, Cindy Ashby. All shows are live on TheWakeUpRadio.com. Catch replays on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, as well as otwtube.com. And now back to your host, Super Sly 75. What's up? My bad. <clears throat> my bad, my bad. <clears throat> what what? What is this? Slide the only nigga I know that likes to get a tan. You know what, J. Jermaine getting it popping early. <laughs> I don't know why y'all don't like going tan and like, y'all supposed to be darker than, you know. <laughs> J. Jermaine sent me 10 in the cash app. He said, don't make me go to the Masters of the Universe. You know what? Challenge accepted, sir. Challenge accepted. Uh, we will go to the, uh, the, uh, Masters of the Universe sound effects and see what we can pull. Thing is dirty. All right, <clears throat> we're gonna talk about it. Got to keep a positive mind, a frame of mind, despite all the madness. Of course, of course. I don't know why I don't like the sun. What is going on with y'all, my man? Walt Diddy out here. Walt Diddy likes to be in the sun. What's wrong with these guys, bruh? All right, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm just telling you, like. <laughs> Trauma Grift, it is here. Yes. Lil Hurler's in the house. Arkayana, what's happening? Beat Boss, okay. Ebus Files, all right. Mo Better, okay, okay. Bruh, I'm sorry. I be on CP. I'll be on slide time. I'm not going to say a lot of y'all. Let's not push this thing back like two, three times because she getting her hair done and it's not, and she's still not done. So, um, yeah, I've seen um, the, the Martin Scorsese Leo film. It looks good. Can you see the wolves in a picture? That's a, that looks like a good film. That looks like an award winning film. Like that may, that may get uh, Martin and Leo some Oscars next year. It looks good. The Mortal Kombat 12 trailer looks awesome. Right? Mortal Kombat fans. The trailer looks crazy insane. Crazy insane. Oh my gosh, Siova. You know what? Let me say this real quick. Siova, so far you are right. Because you said they were not going to touch Section 230. And they have not so far. So for now, you are correct. Me, Walt Diddy, gonna have to take this this mini L. 
Because me and Walt didn't even like, yo, they're going to repeal it. They're going to get rid of it. So far, C-Over is winning the battle of, of Section 230. We'll cover that briefly as well. Sexy Red TV, what's happening? Do these dudes get toothaches in their ankles and asking money for, oh my God. I can't right now, but you. All right. Okay, so a lot of things I want to cover with y'all. And uh, I can't be as loud as I would like to be because I can't. Did, did anybody see the leaked NBA script? Let me pull this up real quick. Now listen. Take everything with a grain of salt. Take everything with a grain of salt. But if you believe the NBA is rigged, like we all do, the script, the script was the, the script was leaked. <laughs> this should be funny. Where is it at? Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. <clears throat> okay. Take this with a huge grain of salt. Pay attention to the numbers. Right. All my, all my uh, numerology folks. Pay attention to the number sequences they got. Okay. This makes for a very interesting um, prediction. Because, you know, the last time we saw the Lakers and the Celtics in the NBA Finals was a very, 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 very long time ago. And if you believe what you think you're seeing... We could possibly see another Lakers Celtics finals if everything goes according to plan. Now, here is the proposed. I, I, I use the word script very lightly. Everyone's seen it. Now, let's pay attention. Let's go over the numbers real quick. Let's go over the numbers real quick, real quick. All my, my numbers, people. <clears throat> All right. Now. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Now, I, whether this is legit or not, the numbers are look interesting. So it goes 2022-2023 season final screenplay battle of the 18th final revision final air date July 18th. Uh, you know what? I would say this. Write this shit down to see how close this turns out to be. If um, a game is played on the 18th of July right live on espn tape delay okay okay here we go so before the game load larry o'brien championship trophy into crypto.com center dressing room number 17 by 1420 the background conference finals conference finals see see walt walt diddy's already on it now they can't do. They can't go by this this exact script because then it's just too much. They have to alter it. If this was if this were legit, they would have to alter it now because it's been leaked. But let's continue. Conference finals. This is what they're saying. The L.A. Lakers to defeat the Denver Nuggets in Game Six on May twenty seventh. Jokic to score forty point triple double in Game Three to win on May twentieth. 
please refer to NBA referees game flow management document. Uh oh, getting spooky. Getting spooky. The Boston Celtics to defeat the Miami Heat in game seven on May 28th. Jimmy Butler to score 36 points in game one on the 18th. Please refer to NBA referees game flow management document. Take everything I present to you with a grain of salt. Now for the finals. For the finals. The Lakers are to defeat the Boston Celtics in game seven on June 18th. LeBron to score 53 points in game seven. On June 18th, please refer to NBA referee game flow management document. LeBron James to win the Bill Russell NBA Finals Most Valuable Player Award. Take all of this with a grain of salt. It can't go this way anymore. They're going to have to alter this. Right? I wish um, Big Pontiac was here. All right, let's continue. This document and all information contained within it is strictly confidential. It is intended solely for the use of the National Basketball Association, officials, its affiliates, and the recipients named. Any disclosure, copy, and distribution, or any action taken or omitted to be taken in reliance on the contents of this document without express written approval from the NBA Executive Board it is strictly prohibited and may be unlawful. I'm just saying. Take this with a grain of salt. Take, yeah, they got to change it up. Got to change it up. I'm just saying. You know, they have several different outcomes. Or, you know, if, they, if, they all, if the whole goal is for LeBron to win it, there's different scenarios they could run for him to win it. Right? Yeah, WCW memos. We all know before the, before the WrestleMania match, who, you know, Vince calls the guys into the office and be like, okay, Who's, this is who's going to go over top. Right? Remember remember the last minute change Andre the Giant did with Hogan? Right? The whole match, or leading up to the match, Hogan didn't know if he was going to win against Andre the Giant. And Andre the Giant literally mid-match says, okay, take it. And he beats Andre the Giant. Right? Take this with a grain of salt. Take this with a grain of salt. The things that I would write down, I would write down... Um, the game six date, I would take notice of who scores what for game six between L.A. and Denver. And I, I would also see if Miami and Boston goes goes to game seven and who and who scores what. And then, of course, write this shit down for the finals. <laughs> I think the Lakers are going to get the push, too. You know, if I'm just a basketball guy, after I saw game one between L.A. and Denver, I would be like, L.A. figured Denver out maybe a, by the third end of third quarter. It was just too late. But I'm looking at L.A. and Denver like, if that's the best Denver could do, they're in trouble. L.A. had, LA had it figured out by the end of third quarter. By then, it was too late. But... What I took away from that game is if that's the best Denver can do, they're in trouble. If we're just going strictly off basketball, right? 
I was not impressed with Denver. They're going to come with a little bit more than that. So, that, that, those are my takeaways. I would write down who wins what on game six, who scores what, and then for the Boston-Miami, uh, if it goes games, if it goes seven games, who scores what? And then, of course, this is what we care about the most, who makes it to the finals, if it is a Lakers-Boston series finals. And then if it goes game seven, who scores what? All right? Okay. That is the, cons- that is the NBA conspiracy part of our show. All right? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Let's see. Where do I go? You know what? Let me just say this. I don't advocate. Well, no, I'll say I can't. I don't advocate. I'll just let the old man tell it. I'll, I'll let the old man confirm what I've been telling y'all. That your grandmamas and your granddaddies. And your great grandmamas and great granddaddies have been have been doing since since forever. This whole monogamy thing. I'm gonna let the OG uh, take us uh, take us down the road. Oh, men cheated a long time ago, and women didn't have a problem with it. They didn't have a problem with it because most of them actually only thought they were cheating. They didn't really see and have the evidence that they were cheating. That's number one. Number two, the the whole geographics of trying to survive and live and pay these bills. That was the first and foremost thing on the table. Then you get to a a relationship wasn't shit back in the day. They didn't give a damn about the relationship. You know, Mr. So-and-so gonna be here for his rent in the morning. You know, we got to pay them Utility bills. Now that we have water in the house, so and it was toilet, more of a partnership. You got damn right, and they they let a whole lot of shit slide, cause they had a pot on the front burner, boiling. The one on the back just had heat under it. They took care of the lounge at the front door, and and they let all that shit slide. Now. Y'all tell, this is somebody's grandfather, somebody's father, somebody's uncle. Y'all still believe that? (laughs) Did the OG tell a lie? (laughs) Y'all, y'all, yo, and what am I worried about all this extra stuff? I'm just saying he, he broke it down. That's, that's exactly what took place. Not saying for everybody, but for the majority of Y'all that didn't find your siblings out until after grandfather died or your father died. You had these grown ass siblings and stuff and you find out he had a whole nother family on the other side of town. He didn't know about and the women knew each other, but they didn't bother each other because everything was taken care of. Right. Okay. So even the old hedge knew what it took to have these multiple situations. That's why I'm trying to tell y'all this red pill shit ain't real. Listen, this red pill shit ain't real. Rolo Tomasi, your your stuff is not real. Who else? Michael Sartain and, and, and whoever else. 
expression fit this shit ain't real man this what he just said is real okay please don't let these these guys tell you any different it's not real it's not okay who is this what clip is this yo do I go to that I'm trying to figure out which one do I go with first or next um you know what once again Europeans coming to clean up European mess Caitlyn Jenner chimes in on Kappa Kappa Gamma right the OG the OG transformer has something to say let's go you know what if you look at those pictures what I have to say is he is a perverted sexually deviant male I'm sorry Artemis Langford you're not a woman and you do not belong in women's spaces um, you know, I was listening to uh, Fox News the other night. Clay Travis, I think, put it just perfectly. He says, living in this woke world, equality really, really has become inequality. And it's so true because the women are not being protected here. And um, that is a shame. Um, you know, I've been fighting this woke world uh, for a long time, uh, obviously in sports. We know how that's been going for the last couple of years, trying to protect women's sports and now in a sorority. And, you know, you got to fight back all this BS every day, tooth and nail. I mean, look. Everybody get, get your ass out of here. Everybody roll out. Everybody roll out. <laughs> roll out, everybody. Get the fuck up out of here. <laughs> yeah, I... Yo, listen, for, for, for those of us that grew up, didn't know what the decathlon was. We just knew Bruce Jenner was like the coolest white guy on the planet back in the eighties. He was on the Wheaties box. Like he was like the first buff white dude we ever saw. Like, Oh, white dudes can be buff. It was Bruce Jenner. <laughs> Bruce. It was Bruce. Jenner. The cool. Listen, he was the first cool white boy. Like before um, Jack Harlow and all these guys, yo, like Bruce Jenner was like the first white boy to be cook to go to the cookout, right? He was like the first white guy to be invited to the cookout because he was just that cool. Yeah, he was alpha as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bruce Jenner was like, yeah, that's a man. That's a man's man. <laughs> This is horrible. This is horrible. <laughs> only they can clean up their own messes. Uh, red pill is supposed to be only used to to see that we're in a matrix. Yeah, not to use it in regards to Mac and Bronze. It had nothing to do with women, exactly. And like Sophia Stewart said, she told me, she said, look, all the red pill was was red for blood and blue for oil for the machine. That's how you knew which, which was the machine and which was human. That's pretty much it. How I got turned into this woman thing, dating thing is beyond me, you know? But, okay, let's go to a little sad clip. This is sad. Michael J. Fox, my gosh. I didn't know it was this bad, his, his Parkinson's. So, um, Ali had Parkinson's, right? The last image I, I have of Ali is him shaking 
trying to hold that damn torch for the 96 Olympics. That's the last image that y'all pretty much, that we all saw of Ali. Not him knocking out Liston, not him beating George in, in the rumbling. No, the lasting image y'all have of Ali is him with the torch. The fact that they made that man walk that, that far with Parkinson's, right? With Parkinson's. And I just came across this clip of Michael J. Fox. This is some heartbreaking shit. Because Michael J. Fox don't, don't, don't mess with nobody. But to see him like this, listen, he better than me. He better than me. That's the point. That's the joke. I recognize how hard this is for people. And I recognize how hard it is for me. But I have a certain set of skills that allow me to deal with this stuff. And then I realize, with gratitude, optimism is sustainable. If you can find something to be grateful for, then you find something to look forward to. And you carry on. Write that down. With gratitude, optimism is sustainable. I don't want to see Michael J. Fox like this, y'all. I don't want to see him like this. And then no, nobody, this, this is not a condition one should live with. You know, it only gets worse from here on out. This, uh, multiple sclerosis, Lou Gehrig's, like these are death sentences. You become a literal prisoner in your own body. Your body actually just turns against you. I hate seeing him like this. I do not want my lasting images of Michael J. Fox, a.k.a. we know him as Alex P. Keaton. That's old heads. Remember him as Alex P. Keaton. Now, we ain't talking no Marty McFly. We talking Alex P. Keaton. Old heads, go back with me. Alex P. Keaton. He was a young uh, uh, financial little guru. Like, he was all about the stocks and bonds. He was capitalistic. He believed in capitalism, right? Alex P. Keaton. Remember the episode? He, they said he was so money hungry. They, they dropped some money on the floor and he could tell you what it was, <laughs> right? Alex P. King was so money hungry. Somebody made a joke and dropped money on the floor. He's like, that's a quarter, two dimes, a nickel, you know? So he could tell by the bounce of the, of the coins on the floor. <laughs> Shout out to Alex P. Keaton. Yeah. Young Republican. When it wasn't even cool to be a Republican back then. Like you never seen them discuss politics on TV. Only through Alex P. Keaton talking about capitalism, right? Conservative, like Alex P. Keaton was a young, young, young Turk. Way back when it wasn't cool to do that stuff. Nah, man. He did talk about Spin City. I keep forgetting y'all 80s and y'all 90s babies. No, I got 90s, but y'all like 2000 babies. What was it? Um, what was the show? What was it? What was it? What? What? What was it called? Yeah, family ties. Family ties. That's what it was called. That's where he would talk bad about liberals and hippies. Right? Yeah, super Republican, super conservative, super capitalistic, Alex P. Keaton. This is why Generation X is the greatest generation. I don't care what y'all talking about. All right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. That was sad. I don't want to see him like that. I don't want to see him like that. Uh, let's see. Will Ja Rule sell his publishing? 
It's just a matter of time before Ja Rule says, I'm going to sell my publishing. He'll be next in line. Not to worry. Don't worry, y'all. Ja going to sell his music as, as well, just like everybody else. He going to fall in line, too. Let's go. I found out recently, recently that my uh, catalog is very lucrative. So, yeah, yeah I'll be looking. To... How, how would you think about structuring that, though? Well, I, I, I've really been talking about doing a reversion deal where I would probably give up half of mm -hmm. half of my catalog and, yeah. you know, it will revert back to my family and, and Well, that's myself. what I'm curious about because with some of the big artists that have sold their credit, particularly the artists that, at least in theory, are still kind of young. Yeah. And I've seen some ones, they cash out, they get a lot of money, in yeah. some cases hundreds of millions of dollars, but then there's always that question of, like, 20, 30 years down the road, if they're yeah. still spinning your stuff and you're not getting any additional exactly. money, how do you sort of create a sense of what that value is going to be, not just in the here and now, but for eternity. Well, I think it's kind of hard to put a yeah. number on, yeah. know, on the value. Usually, mm -hmm. the value of the music goes down as the artist starts to, you know, right. go yeah. away, and it, you know, the, the value of the music starts to depreciate. So, yeah. I call that AI gonna listen. They're gonna make you dump all your stuff to them, and then they, and they're gonna feed it through the AI. And y'all gonna go away. And, you know, AI will create brand new versions of Ja Rule and whoever the case may be. Um, y'all, art is gonna slowly go away. And at that point, they're not gonna need you because all of the music you've done sold to the companies, they will use it as a, a learning pad for the AI. Song structure, sounds, melodies, whatever the case may be. And yeah, you're gonna get some brand new music from these artists that didn't do it, and and we gonna vibe to it. You gonna fall in line just like everybody else. You ain't special. Ja Rule ain't special. Now I still say that his catalog is on par with Fifty Cent, song for song. I, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Ja Rule's catalog, he can go with anybody, and that whole him versus Fifty thing, like Fifty. His ego, but song for song, Ja Rule will, will hurt a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Ja can go song for song with anybody. Please don't let that shit, that last couple albums, when he, you know, he took the bait. He so, smash records. He got, he has smash hits. You know, like. He can go with Jay. He can go with Wayne. He can go with 50. He can go with T.I. We're talking song for song. Song for song. He can go with any of them dudes. So this Jaru slander that still kind of like follows him to this day, you know? Yeah, he can go with anybody song for song. Bar none. Bar none. Bar none. Bar none. Bar none. Uh-oh, here we go. Here we go. Boy, see, A and one be sitting there listening listen to hieroglyphics. <laughs> Hey, A won't be sitting in the forerunner listening to listening to old ass hieroglyphics. <laughs> A won't be over there listening to Delta Funky Homo sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> A won't A won't be over there listening to Jurassic Five. A won't I'm just fucking with you, bro. I'm just fucking with you, but you know you be sitting there listening, listening to 94 till infinity on, on repeat. 
<laughs> ain't want to be having 94 digital infinity on repeat. <laughs> Not the seven digits. Call up Bridget. Her man's a midget. <laughs> Listen to Souls of Mischief. <laughs> <sighs> not, not multiplication raps. I don't even know what the fuck that shit is, but that shit sucks. Right? You were listening to Hope on Chunk. Alright, I'll play. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm playing, I'm playing. Alright. Right, let's get to our first serious topic of the day. Um, Yeah. Grifting or, or, or making money or monetizing all the, off the pain of men's issues with women. I have said it and one has said it. Um, Ty, Ty City and Ramil have infamously said it. Uh, while Diddy has said it. Yes, the, the red pill has become its own commercial industry. It has turned into a pain for profit. Uh, it's a painful profit pipeline. <laughs> so, homeboy here, I, I, and I follow him, this guy, Psych Hacks. He's a psychiatrist or a psychologist. He's one of the two. And now, you're starting to see white guys call out the grift. Now, the brothers, we've been on this. Like, we know a grift when we see it. We know a hustle when we see it. You know, we see a, we see a financial pivot. We know a financial pivot when we see it. So the majority of, your, of these guys that you roll O's and fresh and fits, whatever the case may be, it's a financial pivot. It is a financial pain, the, the pipeline, trauma economy. Now, the white guys are like, yeah, y'all ain't doing us no good. Let's go. Let's go. I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is Psychax, Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is making men angry at women is a business. And it's a big business on social media platforms like YouTube. Uh -oh. So this is something that I think is really important for folks to understand, especially for all the young men out there who are the principal demographic for many of these YouTube channels. Over the past decade, I've subscribed to many of these channels, and I think many of them do many things well. However, almost all of them, to some degree or another, fall into the trap of selectively focusing on some of the most flagrant examples of the nonsense of which women are apparently capable. Much of their content is cherry-picked to be provocative and inflammatory because... Extreme content is more likely to be clicked, viewed, and shared. Now, I love the angle he takes. Not only does he take um, the social media aspect, and then you have the content creators, the people that consume it, but then he also breaks down how social media algorithms prompt and promote it. Like, this is the, the most eloquent breakdown of the grift that I, I've seen anybody do. And like I said, now you're starting to see the white guys finally push back on what we've been saying for the last two years now. Let's go. Very frankly, it drives growth. This content can kind of feel like anonymously rubbernecking a car crash from the privacy of your own home. It satisfies darker impulses that we all have, which are not socially acceptable to admit. So I'm here to caution guys who watch these channels to take everything that they hear with a grain of salt. There very well may be truth in what these creators are saying, 
And extreme examples have the didactic usefulness of providing stark exemplars of phenomenon that may be difficult to observe in other cases, in which they assume less intense forms and are confounded by other variables. However, any truth that you glean should ideally be tested out in the crucible of your own personal experience. And ah. What we, what, we, what we keep saying, go outside. We say go outside, right? And or, like I, like I told BGS and Goofball Edward, we don't believe your experiences with women. We don't believe, nor do we see your experiences with women so what you're going to start to see now slowly but surely is some may pivot and actually show themselves in the company of women interacting with women whether it be fake contrived or real but we've been saying this like your theory your red pill theories don't hold up in the real world because they barely hold up online right let's go that includes the content on this channel as well think it out and see whether what i'm saying may be true we have teeth in our mouth and not in our stomach because we need to chew on things for a while before we swallow them whole. Society has become increasingly polarized in recent years, and relations between men and women in particular are mistrustful and strained. How did we end up here? The answer is somewhat complicated as it involves an interdependent system with three main components, the content creators, the content consumers, and the social media algorithms. No one factor is really to blame, so I'm not here to cast dispersions. I just want to help people understand how the thing works. Now, the shift toward polarization is accomplished in large part through operant conditioning, which is what we call using punishments and rewards to influence behavior. The amazing thing about operant conditioning is that it is usually done unconsciously. In many cases, neither party knows that he or she is rewarding or punishing or being rewarded or being punished. Now, this is the, the breakdown that, that got me the most. I was like, I, I didn't think of, of it like this. So once again, this man lays it out flawlessly. There's nobody that could dispute or debate what he just what he's saying there's nobody you can't push back on this what this man is saying <laughs> you just there's there's no don't even bother wasting your time and in most cases contingency management is even more effective when it occurs outside of awareness let's start with the content creators the fact of the matter is that it is very difficult for people not to act in line with let alone against their financial best interests okay Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Let's go. As a consequence, it's fairly unreasonable to expect that people will in fact do so. If more extreme content leads to more clicks, views, and shares, and if more clicks, views, and shares lead to more revenue, then creators are slowly being trained to create more extreme content. Obsidian. Let's take it, let's dial it back a bit. Have we all noticed how much, how much more ex extreme Obsidian has become over the last few years? Right. Remember, remember how he, when he first came out, like, um, I mean, he said wild stuff, but now it's, it's to the point where he's so far in it, right? Cause this is the best it's going to get for him. Clicks, views, revenue wise. He has to keep it going. Like how much more extreme can he get with the content, with the guests he bring on? So we went from black vagina vision to Nick Fuentes. You understand? How do we, how did Obsidian get from, start from black vagina vision, black woman effery to Nick Fuentes and just Pearly? These, there's, they don't even line up in the same universe, right? He's so far in it. He has to keep it going now because that, that's the only way anybody's going to watch him at this point. 
he's too far in it. But let's continue. Let's continue. Whether they're aware of it or not. Take this channel, for instance. I have a few dozen playlists on a whole variety of topics inspired by my clinical practice. I talk about spirituality and consciousness, grief and loss, success and achievement, emotional regulation and mastery, among others. And I can tell you that if I just put the word woman in the title of an episode, that episode will get at least five times as many views as an episode that does not. This is a powerful incentive to create more and more videos about women. Now, I'm probably not going to make the channel exclusively about women because I would find that boring. However, many creators end up in a situation where their channels are simply the same one video in hundreds of slightly different permutations. That said, I'm aware of this constant pull to do just that, that I have to actively resist. And it may be easier for me to do so because I don't need the revenue. This channel is something fun that I do in the time when I'm not running my other businesses. Generating some revenue is nice. It allows me to invest more in the channel, but it is nowhere close to replacing the income generated by my private practice. So I might be able to afford to be more intellectual. So we got a, we got a white professional that will not leave YouTube or that will not leave his practice for YouTube. But how many black professionals have left their profession to come to YouTube? Think about that. So now all of a sudden you got these black PhDs coming to YouTube. You got these black music professors coming to YouTube. You got former black attorneys coming to YouTube. And and, and then now they're making YouTube their sole uh, space for, for revenue and income. This white man said, I, 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 uh, my private practice makes more money. I'm not leaving my private practice to focus solely on YouTube. Y'all pay attention to what's being said here. Let's go. Be honest and autonomous because I'm not dependent on the revenue generated by the channel or affiliate advertisements. And this isn't just because I'm fairly small. If certain other creators, some of whom may have gotten very, very big, have given up their other revenue streams to... Now, Psychax is very modest. That's This is why I like him. He's sitting at 97,000 subs. Psychax is currently at 97,000 subs. In my eyes, he's not small, but he's a very modest, humble guy. Okay, let's continue. Focus exclusively on their channels. Well, this puts them in a vulnerable position vis-a-vis their livelihood. And again, I'm not blaming these creators because it is very hard for anyone to act against their financial best interests and everyone needs to make a living. And if that means making money on social media, all the power to them. Speaking of which, before I go any further, if you're liking what you're hearing, please consider sending this video someone who might benefit from its message. It's word of mouth referrals like this that really help to make the channel grow. You can also hit the super thanks button and tip me in proportion to the value that you feel you have derived from this video. I really appreciate your support. All right, next up is the algorithm. Right out of the gate, we have to appreciate that algorithms are not neutral. In the first place, they will exhibit biases based on the data on which they have been trained. And in many cases, these biases can only be observed across millions or billions of data points, so they are functionally invisible to humans until their operation produces significant downstream consequences. And in the second place, they are business tools that were ultimately created to drive revenue to their parent companies. For instance, the primary goal of YouTube is to keep people on YouTube. That's it. The more people watch, the more opportunities to sell advertisements and the more lucrative those ad spots become. This has to come before everything because if the business isn't solvent, any other goals the company might have can't be met. Traditional media has understood this for centuries. The primary goal of newspapers is not to tell the truth. When that happens, it's a fortunate afterthought. Uh-oh. It's to sell more newspapers. Uh-oh. And sensational headlines are print media's equivalent of clickbaity 
titles. Okay, white man. Now listen, you telling too, too you spitting too much game, white man. Now I don't want nothing bad to happen to you. Turn on a news broadcast, any of them. Most of what you'll see is sex and death and decontextualized sound bites on controversial issues. This material is designed to stimulate an emotional response so that, bam, they can hit you with an advertising break every eight to 10 minutes. Your emotions make you less rational and therefore more likely to buy whatever it is that they're selling. If you're interested in learning more about this, I would highly encourage you to check out the excellent film Network or read Gerrymander's Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television. In any case, if people are more likely to engage with sensational provocative content, uh -huh. then the algorithm will promote sensational provocative content. Uh -huh. This will encourage people to click watch and share, which engagement translates eventually to money in the bank. So that's the algorithm. Last but not least are the content consumers. Okay. Let's be real. Creators wouldn't be swayed by the operant contingencies and the algorithms wouldn't not be promoting sensationalist content if you didn't click on it. But just like the proverbial car crash, there seems to be something in human psychology that makes it very difficult not to look. Social media has also not been around for very long, so we're all still kind of learning how to navigate the technology with discipline. Yo, if you're looking at this guy, it's, it's called Psychhacks. P-S-C-H-Y-H-A-C-K-S, Psychhacks. He's excellent. Like, oh my gosh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go over his channel. Excellent stuff. ...and moderation. But let me tell you, if you ever complain about the polarization of society, then do your part. And don't click on extreme sensational content. Don't watch it and don't share it. Consumers changing their consumption will have significant downstream consequences for both the creators and the algorithm. And what did I, and I've said this before, like people that choose to subconsciously or consciously ingest certain content creators, it's like you guys validate their behaviors, right? Like, I hate to do this, but we're going to do it since, since AM1 is here. Listen, where's Walt Diddy at? Well, Walt Diddy and AM1. Walt Diddy, AM1, and Super Sly all walk into a bar. Right? We all walk into a bar. <laughs> we all walk into a bar. And then we're sitting there having our drinks, protein shakes, cranberry juice, whatever we do. And then in walks Edward Anderson. Yeah. That joke writes itself. Okay? Because in real life... In real world time, we would never hang or associate or affiliate ourselves with a guy like Edward Anderson. Edward Anderson, we would consider, uh, you know, a weak male whose bloodline would not deserve to live on. Okay? These women know, you know, whose bloodline they want to continue, want to extend. There's no woman... That, want, that wants to extend Edward Anderson's bloodline. Sorry. Now y'all can say, well, maybe you don't want kids. Okay. Okay. Sure. I'll give you that. But at the end of the day, his lineage will die with him. You understand? You, you, if you, you're going to have to compete. You're going to have to find a way to compete for whatever it is you want. You think the nice chick that's, that, that wears glasses and she's a librarian, you're going to have to compete for a woman like that, period. Somebody's going to want the librarian, right? Somebody's going to want the cashier. Now, she may be below most guys' standards, but somebody's going to want that woman. 
which means you're going to have to compete. There is no cheat code. This red pill is not a cheat. You cannot cheat biology. You know, the old, the old, we all know the female rats before she mates with a rat, a male rat, she can smell or sense genetic uh, deficiencies in the male rat and will not procreate with the male rat. She will pick another male rat to extend the bloodline. All right. So for whatever woman you had, you had a sight on, like, yeah, I'm going to go for her. Somebody's going to want her too. You're not the only one that sees what you, what you see in her. All right. Let's continue. As I said previously, creators, consumers, and algorithms, they're all kind of in it together. No one component is really responsible for social polarization, but each contributes to it as a consequence of the feedback loops that constitute their interdependence. And with respect to a lot of red-pilled channels, Uh you need to appreciate that men, making men angry at women by means of sensational content is a business. Donovan Sharp, Coach Greg Adams, fresh and fit, angry man. You name them. That's what they do. It's a pain-to-profit pipeline. That's it. They're not here to help. Who are you helping? Everybody has a, hey, man, I, thank you for, uh, uh, somebody emailed me and said I, I helped them out in their life. Did, did, did they really? Did, so did you put in the work for these people or no? Like when people were like, yo, well, Kevin Samuels helped somebody get married. Did he really? So Kevin Samuels helped the guy date the woman, vet the woman, vice versa, create the environment for these two to converse and dialogue. So that's how we help people now. now okay, somebody has to do the work. But let's continue. And if you buy it wholesale, then you are a customer. What do you think? Does this fit with your own experience? Let me know in the comments below. And if you've gotten this far, you might as well like this episode and subscribe to this channel. You can also consider becoming a channel member with perks like prayer. All right. This is Psych Hacks. Let me find his channel. Because the way he breaks down, like I said, he takes a psychologist's point of view when it comes to social dynamics between men and women. Right? Because everyone loves to to pick at the, the human brain and how the human brain processes things and all this stuff. So who better than someone that does it for a living, right? Okay, let me find him. I guess we're going to go down some rabbit holes today. Okay, psych. Here we go. Okay. Oh, shit. This is clearly the sharpest guy. Like, I dare. I would love to see Fresh and Fit bring him on. Rolo, whoever. I would love anyone to challenge his point of view. Most men are wallpaper. Stand out or the world will pass you by. Right? Love has nothing to do with relationships. The difference between masculine and feminine communication. Sexual withholding and political ideology. Men need to have a plan with women. You know what? Let, 
why 50-50 relationships don't work. Okay, you know what? Let's let's check this out. I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is Psychax, Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is why 50-50 relationships don't work. Okay, so this is a very common belief that is... All right, now, we've heard everyone else's talking points and how they broke down to 50-50, right? Now, let's hear from a, from a professional. Let's go. It's prevalent in Western society, namely that relationships between men and women should be 50-50. It's equal. People get as much as they give, and it creates the basis for a fulfilling and sustainable long-term relationship, right? Well, not really. While this might sound good, it doesn't really work in practice for a whole host of reasons. Over the next eight minutes, I will explain one of these reasons to you. Uh Here we go. Okay. At least when it comes to their sexual relationships, assuming they are in a relationship with a man they are attracted to, the vast majority of women would not have a problem with an unequal split provided that it favors her. Wow. Let's continue. I don't know any woman who would continue to work for the next 40 years on purely ideological grounds if her husband were willing to completely bankroll her lifestyle. And I don't see anything wrong with that. They might not all express gratitude, but they probably wouldn't bulk at the arrangement. Now, nor would most women have a problem with a 90-10 split or an 80-20 split or a 70-30 split, which I personally think is the best arrangement, okay. or even a 60-40 split. Okay. However, we're really getting to a woman's limit when we hit that 50-50 split. And we know that because there are very few women who would feel good about even a 40-60 split if they're the ones assuming the majority of the expenses and responsibilities. Do you see? What that means is that for the majority of women, 50-50 is the furthest they're willing to go. 50-50 is a stretch. They're not signing up for relationships where they assume the majority of the expense and responsibility. 50-50 is their limit. Now, let's put that aside for the moment and approach the idea of equality from the perspective of men. If I were to ask 100 men what it would look like to fairly distribute expenses and responsibilities between two people, I guarantee that 100 out of those 100 men would answer, you split them Mm 50-50. And that's because 50-50 is the fucking definition of equality. Uh Uh-oh. Do you see? Okay. However, in- English, shout out to the white man dropping bombs on this one. This white man out here. White man out here doing a. Hey, white man is out here doing, trying to do the Lord's work. He, what are you trying to do? Reality, men have largely resigned themselves to assuming a greater share of the expenses and responsibilities in relationships with women. Not because it's fair, not because it's equal, but because that's just sort of the cost of doing business. As Eddie Murphy said, there is no romance without finance. One way or the other, you got to pay to play. Now, before I go any further, if you're liking what you're hearing, please consider like this that really helped to make the channel grow. And you can also hit the super thanks button and tip me in proportion to the value you derive from this episode. I really appreciate your support. So now we're well positioned to understand why 50-50 relationships between men and women don't work in practice. It's very simple. 50-50 is where men start. Uh On the other hand, 50-50 is where women end up. Mm. Like there are women who are willing to do 50-50, but they are outnumbered by the number of women who would be happy with an 80-20 split. And there are men willing to do 80-20, but they are outnumbered by the men who would be happy with a 50-50 split. In a 50-50 split, the woman is giving the most she is willing to give with respect to the relationship, 
while the man is giving the least he is practically willing to give mm. with respect to the relationship. Okay. If a car were being sold, this would be equivalent to a negotiated price that is the most the buyer is willing to spend and the least the seller is willing to discount. Irrespective of the actual value of that car, do you think both the buyer and the seller are going to be equally happy about that transaction? No. Absolutely not. No. The buyer is going to be grumbling and the seller is going to feel peachy keen. And that's just one transaction. Imagine living that transaction day, day in day. and day out, yeah, yeah. week after week, yeah. month after month, year after year. That's unsustainable. And it's not sustainable due to the objective equality or inequality of the transaction, whatever that might be. It's not sustainable due to the feelings associated with the relative allocation of resources. It may be fair, but it doesn't feel fair. And this is partly due to market forces. A woman could likely find a man who would be willing to assume more than equal share of the expenses and responsibilities. So she can plausibly feel like she's getting a bad deal at a 50-50 split. People feel pretty schmucky when they buy something a week before a sale. Even though they were apparently happy enough to part with more money for the same product mm -hmm. the week previous, mm -hmm. which means that they felt it was a fair transaction mm -hmm. at that price point, they don't like the fact that they could have paid less for the same thing. Our conception of value is not really anchored at the objective or inherent value of a thing. Let me stop him there. So we all heard the, the clip from Gabrielle Union when she said her and Dwayne Wade were in a 50-50 relationship. Did y'all hear the stress and worry in her voice when she was just, when she was talking about if a movie doesn't pan out, right? Did, did y'all catch how stressed she was when, when she had to go over that part? Like, well, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, how am I going to, you know, how I'm going to get this money, right? Because she takes care of her mother, another sibling. Like she has a whole nother household outside of what she has with, with D Wade, right? Says so she funds that entire household outside of them. Did y'all catch the stress in her voice when she said, if this movie doesn't work out, if I don't, if this series doesn't get greenlit, how am I going to get this money? Let's continue. Let's continue. Because guess what? She's not using D-Way money to take care of her mother and her sister over there on the other, on the other uh, household. Okay, let's continue. Let's go. Let's go. Whatever that is, it's almost entirely determined by the price points of similar transactions. Now, I'm explaining this not because I believe that things should be different. I'm explaining this because that's the way it is. I know it can be hard for men to understand this, but for better or for worse, 50-50 is a stretch for most women. And very few women consider going beyond 50-50 as a realistic possibility. On the other hand, the vast majority of men understand the practical necessity of going beyond 50-50. This creates the emotional conditions that amount to a woman feeling like she's spending more than she has to for at an equal allocation of expenses and responsibility. Equal doesn't feel fair, which is why it doesn't tend to work. And personally, I'm not into 50-50 relationships. I'll just put it out there. I work best in relationships where there is a clear power imbalance. Uh -oh. And part of the cost of a power imbalance that favors me uh -huh. is that I assume greater responsibility right. for the material aspects of that relationship. It's not equal but it's fair. And an unequal relationship that feels fair will be much more sustainable than an equal relationship that feels unfair. Listen, this white man is, is, is spitting the gospel. 
This white man spitting the gospel. Let me pull up that Gabby clip so we can hear the stress in her voice when she talks about her end, her having to keep up her end of the of the bills. Let's go to it and hear how stressed out she sounded. Because I think everybody missed that. Well, the majority of people that commented on 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 the uh, the clip missed that part. Right? She was. She sounded stressed. I struggle with that still just because I I think I just have more responsibilities you know for my money so I get nervous like oh god that that movie didn't open you know well what does that mean do I am I do I do am I gonna have enough to to, to hold everybody up and 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 everyone's like it's coming like calm down and I'm trying to find peace in the journey not no sis no 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 <laughs> y'all need to go back and rewatch entourage to see how the tv and film business truly works 98 percent for all diddy can, can, can confirm this 98 percent of actors in hollywood are poor that means only two percent of hollywood actors uh live comfortably enough between movies Right. So when you hear Denzel, Leo, Brad, they get the 20 mil per movie. Angelina Jolie gets 12 mil per movie. Whoever. They're the they're the two percent of Hollywood actors and actresses that are able to afford to live comfortably in between projects. Ninety eight percent of actors and actresses are working poor. You know, the term working actor, that's a real thing. If that that series doesn't get greenlit. They don't get this pilot. They don't get that commercial. They're asked out. Okay? They're asked out. All right? Let's get back to the white man doing, putting in the Lord's work. And then we'll, then we get, we'll move on to the next topic. We'll move on to the next topic. That's just the way it is. And as long as the privileges are commensurate with the responsibilities, then the relationship will continue to feel fair to the individuals involved irrespective of the actual allocation of expenses and responsibilities. Does that make sense? Good. What do you think? Does this fit with your own experience? Please. Okay. Okay. Listen, any red pill guy would be, it would be suicide to bring this guy onto your channel. He would blow up every po point you have. He would blow it up. Oh, uh, let's see. I want to do one more from him. Cause he has a lot of great stuff. Uh-oh. Let's do this. All you nice I'm Dr. Guys. Orion Taraban, and this is Psychax, Better Living Through Psychology. And today, we'll be doing another sponsored episode. So these formats are a bit different. I'm going to read the email that I received from the sponsor, and then sort of riff on the themes contained therein. So let's get right to it. So this one is coming from RP Mentor Tokyo. And his question is, a good question. Uh, where have all the good men gone? Uh, you hear this as a complaint among women when they're looking for sexual partners, uh, specifically somebody to have children with. Uh, I think we've all heard this at one point in our lives. And uh, in providing relevant context, he included this quote from social psychologist Roy Baumeister, who wrote, 
for women throughout history and prehistory, the odds of reproducing have been pretty good. Later in this talk, we will ponder things like, why was it so rare for a hundred women to get together and build a ship and sail off to explore unknown regions, whereas men have fairly regularly done such things? But taking chances like that would be stupid from the perspective of a biological organism seeking to reproduce. They might drown or be killed by savages or catch a disease. For women, the optimal thing to do is to go along with the crowd, be nice, play it safe. The odds are good that men will come along and offer sex and you'll be able to have babies. All that matters is choosing the best offer. We're descended from women who played it safe. So there's a number of themes in here that I've touched on in previous episodes. Um, for example, all that matters is choosing the best offer. That fits very well with my episode, Women Treat Men the Way Men Treat Jobs, which is a way for men to kind of acclimate emotionally to the idea of female hypergamy without taking it personally. Um, it sounds like this quote I think what the sponsor is getting at is potentially some of the more virtuous and masculine traits that we associate with men, the, the daring do, the courage, the adventuresomeness, the, the boldness, the strength. On some level, they get weeded out of the gene pool uh -oh. because those men... But didn't I just say something about somebody's lineage not being extended? Didn't I just say... Just, didn't I just not say somebody's timeline going to get pruned off the timeline vine? Did, did we all not watch Loki season one? When at the end, Kang was over here just pruning timelines that didn't align with his his vision. Didn't we just say a lot of what? Let's let the white man confirm what I said earlier today. Are more likely to go off and get themselves killed by having an adventure, uh, whereas maybe some of the meeker, more feminine men stay at home and they're the ones who actually end up reproducing with the women. And so over time, a lot of our uh, strongest masculine traits sort of get evolutionary they get select, naturally selected out of the gene pool. And I think that there's probably some, some truth to that. Um, women have more children than men do throughout history for precisely that reason. It's much more likely for a woman to reproduce than a man, for instance. But the other side of that coin is that if a man goes off on an adventure and he comes back with treasure and loot and fame, he just hit the jackpot. And there's a very good chance that he is going to be a very successful uh, reproducer from an evolutionary standpoint. Um, we might not think of him as very virtuous or kind, but I think it's true that Genghis Khan is the direct descendant of one out of 200 men on the planet today. So he was one of history's greatest evolutionary success stories from the standpoint of actually reproducing his genetic material. And so that's that's kind of why I think Baumeister's perspective sort of gets balanced is that, yeah, a lot of this gets weeded out, but if you actually are the adventuresome guy and you come, and you come back, you can make a huge impact on the female population and your genes can redound throughout history. Uh, China, anybody, let's continue. So it might end up being like six of one, half a dozen of the other, though of course there are fewer big winners if you're a man, which means that there's probably less genetic variability with respect to this kind of thing. So it, it's an interesting point. For me, the question of where all the good men have gone has less to do with genes and has less to do with natural selection or evolutionary pressures. And it has much, much more to do with culture. It okay. has much, much more to do with learning. And I think it's fairly fair to say that a lot of what we consider to be traditional, healthy masculinity is under attack in the West. I don't think that will come as much of a surprise to many of the people listening to this channel. Um, and it's important to understand that a culture can go extinct in three generations. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Grandparent to parent, parent to son or child, if that culture is not transmitted across those three generations, the fourth one, it's, it's gone. It's, it's almost irreplaceable at that point. 
So what we have to understand is that it's not that so much that good men have gone, like they've left, as it is that fewer good men are being created with each subsequent generation because it's under masculinity is under attack from a great deal of um, social and institutional mm. pressures in the West in particular. Okay. So I, I think that, and, and this is especially important for the women out there to listen to and to pay attention to, uh -huh. because the same woman who might be complaining about boys rough and tumble play or um, potentially the patriarchy, they might also be wondering where all the good men have gone. And the way that women raise their children will end up being the fathers and husbands of the next generation. Uh -huh. And on some level, it behooves women to raise boys in a way, not so that they're obedient and compliant children, but so that they can become, they can grow up to be the men that they themselves would desire in a husband and a father. I need y'all to wrap y'all arms around uh, this, this white man, this European man. <laughs> Uh, Y'all send a hedge of protection uh, around this white man. He needs our protection. Okay. You're not going to see this guy on fresh and fit. They would, they know who he is. Rolo knows who this guy is. Everybody knows who this guy is. Nobody wants to engage with him. Nobody. This man is dangerous. That's sort of a, a woman's, a mother's greatest success in raising boys is not to make nice boys, but to raise good men. And this requires the adult mothers to examine some of their beliefs about men and women and power and masculinity and femininity. And these can be very fraught ideas and concepts in today's day and age. They don't have to be, but they are. So it's really important to be very cautious and calm and sober-minded as we examine uh, these, these concepts, because when they are not when they're allowed to operate behind the scenes they can exert an enormous unconscious impact on the things that we do don't do what we say and don't say and who we allow ourselves to be and who we choose to become so that's kind of what i have for you today rp mentor tokyo i hope all right i'm gonna get out of here we must protect this white man um you know what jay jermaine where you at you made a you made a point i want to i, I want to address real quick <sighs> listen I know AM is your boy. Okay, listen. I know AM is your boy, but why this nigga talking about he he got Jewish ancestry? Listen, I know that's your boy. I have no issue with that. I support men supporting men. But why that nigga get online talking about he got some Jewish ancestry in him? Why why he say that, bro? Why he say that? What <laughs> Why, why did he make the, the inference between, he said, one, half, one part of my family was enslaved, the other part was, was dead men ran off the planet. Like, come on, come on, man. The small hat, did he, pull, did he actually pull the small hat card? Bruh, talk to your boy. He's looking crazy out here, okay? Your boy AM is looking crazy. Not only looking crazy, sounding crazy out here, all right? Shout out to Psych Hacks. Shout out to Psych Hacks. Go sub to his channel. Good, I mean, excellent, excellent content. All right, come on, man. Come on, he, he, he said it. I got some, some Jewish ancestry. Nigga, if you don't get the fuck. <laughs> Boy, if you don't get out of here with that bullshit. 
<laughs> you don't get that logic with that bullshit, man. Come on, man. Get you talk to your boy, man. Get your boy, bro. Get your boy. <laughs> get your boy. <laughs> your boy out here wild. He wild. He wild. That man, listen, that man is going. You know what? You want to know what identity crisis looks like? You want to know what a, what a content creator identity crisis looks like? There it is there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, if I were uh, them people, I'd be offended. I'd be like, Negro, please. I would be, I, w- I would be so offended. I, 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 w- I would be so offended, but let's continue. Yeah. yeah. Miss, come on. See over, man. Come on. Don't make me do this, bro. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm gonna let y'all have it. Let me go on to my next, the next subject. Let's get into section 230. Um, so far, see over one, me and Walt Diddy zero. It's for now. For now. For now. Section 230 is lives to see another day. Um, a lot of us thought that the Supreme Court was going to you know, take it away or rescind it. Uh, I guess not. Let's go. Ah. So far, see over one slot and wall diddy zero. We'll, we'll be back for our revenge. We'll be back. He man. Getting some news out of the Supreme Court this morning. Big tech definitely in focus. Let's get to Kayla Tausche. Hey, Kayla. Hey, Carl. The Supreme Court ruling that Section 230, the liability shield that protects social media companies from content posted on their platform, is safe for now. The high court deliberating on two separate cases involving Twitter and Google filed by families of victims of ISIS attacks in recent years. Both cases alleging that the social media platforms allowed ISIS content to proliferate, to recruit members, and to incite violence. In the Twitter case, the Supreme Court ruling in favor of Twitter's bid to throw out the lawsuit that alleged it violated federal anti-terrorism law. And then in the Google case, the court declined to address the Section 230 issues, merely pointing toward the Twitter opinion. So certainly this is a victory for social media cases, uh, and it shows that the Supreme Court is not not willing to touch the liability shield for now, despite some political pressure to do so. Okay. So does that constitute as fascism? So I, I, I ask, let me ask you guys, Nick, you too. Does this constitute fas- fascism? The fact that the Supreme Court basically, it, it, you know, is in cahoots to a certain extent with big tech. Big tech and big pharma, I don't know who's worse. Big tech, big pharma, pick a poison, right? Big tech, big pharma, um, oh, who's the third one? What was the third entity? Tech, pharma, banking, right? Tech, pharma, pharma, banking. So is this, does this constitute as fascism when a site promotes, you know, horror and stuff, rhetoric that leads to a retaliatory strike from a nation to another nation? And that said rhetoric leads to other 
um, sleeper cells to kind of activate and create chaos, which injures and kills regular people, right? Uh-oh. CEO, thank you for the 500 Super Chat. My man, with the Dunham Report, imagine the lawsuit Trump could drop on big tech and news media without Section 230 protection. Excellent, excellent point. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yes, children of men. Um, uh, who Who is the guy? I forget his name. At one point, he was an A-lister. I believe Julianne... Julianne more was in it she gets killed early so basically in children of man um the, the birth rate stopped right and the, the one girl that could have a baby she was a little she's a black chick but she was a hooker and he had to protect her and send her they had to cross a bunch of places to get her to the safe spot so she can deliver her baby but it was complete dystopian yeah it was a tech company that yes exactly so yeah yeah. All right. So as of for now, you know, Section 230 lives to see another day. I don't think you'll, you, I don't know. I don't think you'll see this much pressure apply moving forward. I mean, the fact that you had the lawsuit, someone was directly impacted by rhetoric that was posted on the site. They sued. They got some money on the lower courts. But the fact that the Supreme Court said, no, we're not going to touch this. I think this is this was probably as most the most pressure it was ever going to face to be repealed and it'll never see this type of pressure again. So I don't see it ever, them ever touching touching this again. I could be wrong down the road. But right now, I don't see you're going to have a hard time five, ten years from now mounting this much political pressure on to, to repeal Section 230 than you than you do today. And I, I don't see it happening. Um, not to this extent ever again. I could be wrong. So right now. Current score, C over one, slime wall, Diddy zero. <laughs> Blast you, He-Man will be, will return. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I'm just, I'm trying to, you know, for the sake of the, of the conversation. Yeah. Oh, that's where his name, Owen, 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 um, shit. Yeah. At one point, Clive Owen, thank you. Yes. Yeah. At one point, Clive Owen was everywhere. He was everywhere. Like he was an A-lister. Now, not so much. Now, not so much. Yeah, I did, that was a while ago, too. I, 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 it was a couple years ago, I believe. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Here we go. See, I'm not going to get into that because this book, where's my book at? I got this book. What, what's it called? The book, the Jew book. Yes, the 13 tribes. I have to, the 13th tribe. It's a book called The 13th Tribe, and it actually breaks down where they came from. They, they came from the Khazar region of the Caucasus. This is a deep book. I'm just not getting into it. Yeah. Shut up. Arthur Kessler. Get this book. If you want to know, if you want to know where them people came from, this is the book. Arthur Kessler's The 13th Tribe. It breaks down where them people came from. So if you are a content creator claiming you have this, this lineage in your ancestry, no, you don't, sir. No, you don't. No, you don't. Get this book. Matter of fact, the part that I did, the, some of the parts I highlighted, let me, let's do a little story time, shall we? 
Let's do a little ASNR story time. Wait, wait, wait. The country of the Khazars, a people of Turkish stock, occupied a strategic key position at the vital gateway between the Black Sea and the Caspian. It acted as a buffer protecting the Byzantium against invaders, invasions by the lusty barbarian tribesmen of the northern steppes, the Bulgars, Magars, and the Pekinigs. Later than the Russians and the Vikings. Let me see, let me see what else, what else. Okay, the Khazars fought the Arabs. Constantine V married a Khazar princess. Then they had a son called Emperor Leo IV, known as Leo the Khazar. AD 740, the king, his court, and the military ruling class embraced the Jewish faith, and Judaism became the state religion of the Khazars. This is what got them jammed up. So the moment they accepted Judaism as their religion, everybody said no, because they already knew. It was all is going to be all bad. Okay. Oh, let's see. Khazar settlements are mentioned in the Crimea and the Ukraine, Hungary, Poland, and Lithuania. Mainly Russia and Poland. The greatest concentrations of Jews were found in the modern age were Russia and Poland. A majority of Eastern Jews, and hence the word Jewry, came from Khazar and not of the Semite, uh, Semitic origin. So the Semites and the Khazars, two separate things. There's, this book says it came from the Khazars, not the Semites. Okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, Jewry. As the nucleus of the large Jewish settlement in Eastern Europe, the descendants of this settlement, those who stayed where they were, those who emigrated to the United States and to other countries, and those who went to Israel, constitute now the large majority of the word Jewry. Jewry, J-E-W-R-Y. All right. Okay. Their ancestors came not from Jordan, but from the Volga, not from Canaan, but from the Caucasus, once believed to be the cradle of the Aryan race, and that genetically they are more closely related to the Hun, the Ugar, and the Magyar tribes than to the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nigga, give me a. Yeah. <laughs> The people under Khazar included the Bulgars, Bertas, Gus, Magyars, Hungarians, the Gothic, and Greek colonies of the Crimea, and the Slavonic tribes in the northwestern woodlands. Khazar armies also raided Georgia and Armenia and penetrated into the Arab Caliphate as far as Mosul. Until the 9th century, the Khazars had no rivals to their supremacy in the regions north of the Black Sea and the adjoining steppe and forest regions of the Dnieper. The Khazars were the supreme masters of the southern half of Eastern Europe for a century and a half and presented a mighty bulwark blocking the Euro-Caspian gateway from a for Asia into Europe. Okay, the land of the Khazars. Their land is cold and wet. Accordingly, their complexions are white, their eyes blue, their hair flowing, and predominantly reddish, their bodies large, and their natures odd. Their general aspect is wild. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so black Khazars, okay. 
The Khazars do not resemble the Turks. They are black-haired and are two kinds, one called the Kara Khazars, which are the black Khazars, who are swarthy, verging on deep black as if they were a kind of Indian, and a white kind, the Ak Khazars, who are strikingly handsome. For it was customary among Turkish peoples to refer to the ruling classes or clans as white, to the lower strata as black. White Huns, the, Ifa, the Ephatites, who invaded India and Persia in the 5th and 6th centuries were of fairer skin than the other Hun tribes which invaded Europe. Stop playing with me, nigga. You are not a Jew. You're not a Jew. Stop playing this game with me. Stop. Stupid, 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 stupid. You're not those people. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, okay. I'm over it, I'm over it, I'm over it. I'm over it, I'm over it, I'm over it. Yes, go get this book. So you, the, that way you can have these conversations with these people or other people that just don't know. Any, and I'm not even like, I'm not even halfway. Look, I'm only on page. I got as far as shut up. I got to, to my own page too. Fuck out of here. I'm on page 20, 22. It's a hundred and shut up. It's a hundred and it, it's 226 pages. I'm on page 21. Stop playing. But still, you're not these people. Don't do that. Don't do these people like that. You know what I'm saying? You're not these people. Anywho. <laughs> You're not those people, bro. You're not those people. <laughs> hey, remember in John Wick 4, what did uh Scott Atkins, his character was, uh oh, fuck, what the fuck was his name? What was his name? So John Wick was sent to kill him because in punishment and retaliation for Wick uh, doing what he did, the high table sent Scott Atkins' character to kill Uncle Peter, right? And so when at the table, it's Wick, Mr. Nobody, and Donnie Yen's character, and, this, and then this Scott Atkins. And what did he say? He said, those Cossacks, there's a dirty people. Did y'all catch that line? Because Johnny comes from the Rosca Roma crime family, right? Those gypsies, the, Ro the Roscas, right? He said those Cossacks are dirty people. Pay attention. Pay attention. All right, I I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Now, let's get to... Okay, so we got the angry man trauma. Oh, you know what, bruh? We have to do this story. Let's do hot for teacher. Has anyone seen this, this story yet? And I hate that it's a sister, but God damn it. Did y'all see this story? Y'all. This is, this is our hot for teacher story. Did y'all, did anyone see this story yet? <laughs> did, <laughs> did anybody see this story? Yo, North Carolina substitute teacher arrested for asking students to send her videos of them engaging in sexually explicit activities 
taking minors to hotel rooms. What the hell? Did you? Anybody see that shit? You heard about it yesterday? Let's, let's get into this story, yo. Um, a Cumberland County Schools substitute teacher who has since been fired by the school district was arrested Tuesday on allegations she asked two students to engage in sexually explicit activities and took four minors to a hotel twice without their parents' knowledge. Lakeisha, oh, Lord, God damn it. She got to be a Keisha. Keisha, come on, sis. You got to do better than this. I can't keep defending you. You're doing this, this nonsense. Keisha. Keisha, Lord have mercy, she done, she's charged with two counts of indecent liberties with students and eight counts of felonious restraint. Hey, yo, hey, real quick, hey, JJ mate, no, we good, bro. I, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, um, um, JJ mate, no, we good, brother. I was not trying to give you pushback or anything. I'm just talking about your man's man, like he bugging. No, but we good, bro. We, we all good. We all good. We all good. So please don't take that. Um, don't take anything I said like that. Um, okay. Let's continue with this shit. The Warren State's alleged offenses involving four children ages 13 and 14 took place in January and February. Davis is accused of asking one student to send her a video of the child kissing her boyfriend. After the girl sent the video, Davis allegedly provided feedback on how to kiss her boyfriend correctly. God damn it. Wow. Davis is also alleged to have asked another student to mimic performing oral sex on an ice cube while Davis watched. Furthermore, Davis is accused of taking four minors to a hotel without the knowledge of their parents on February 17th and the weekend of February 24th. The warrant states the minor victims were made to lie to the parents about their activities for the days they were taken to the hotel. Davis was fired because of the allegations. Uh, let's see. Cumberland schools. I said Davis was a substitute teacher and volunteer coach and most recently worked as a substitute at new century international middle school. She did volunteer work as a non-faculty volunteer coach at NCIMS for the pep squad. Uh, we take this matter very seriously as our top priority is always the safety and well-being of our, uh, of our students and staff as part of regular procedures. Uh, where and when allegations were brought to our attention, we immediately reported them to law enforcement. This individual is no longer employed by the school system as a substitute teacher or volunteer coach. She was given a $75,000 secured bond. Nigga, come on, man. Oh my gosh. Let's see what else we can find about this chick. This is horrible. If you need another reason to homeschool your kids, this is it. If you're looking for another reason to homeschool your kids, this is it. Oof, she looks rough. She looks rough. Two, one. Do we? Call Michael and Chunk. 
A former Cumberland County substitute teacher now facing charges of indecent liberty with a student making her first court appearance today. That's right. CBS 17's Justin Moore was inside the courtroom and joins us live with how the school district is reacting. Justin. Lakeisha Davis was a middle school substitute teacher and coach. Uh, today, Cumberland County Schools tells us she's no longer employed. Shackled standing next to her attorney, Lakeisha Davis makes her first court appearance on Tuesday. The 46-year-old could face up to 20 years in prison for two counts of indecent liberties with a student and eight counts of felonious restraint. Davis was assigned substitute teacher at New Century International Middle School in Fayetteville. Prosecutors say she would have age inappropriate sex education conversations with students. They say she would pay for hotel rooms so students can have sex, drive them to the hotels, and ask them detailed questions about the sex afterwards. Cumberland County Schools released a statement. It reads in part, we take this matter very seriously as our top priority is always the safety and well-being of our students and staff. As part of regular procedures, Cumberland County Schools conducts extensive background checks on all employees. When the allegations were brought to our attention, we immediately reported them to law enforcement. Now, Davis and Cumberland County Schools parted ways back in March. Uh, she remains here at Cumberland County Detention Center on a $75,000 secured bond. Live in Cumberland County, Justin Moore, CBS 17 News. Plumbing emergency. Why, why Justin get to wear cornrows? I'm sure he's a, he, I'm sure he's close to my age. Why does he man wearing cornrows? Can I wear, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. One day, one day my hairline going to come back and I'm going, I'm going to wear some, some Iverson braids. Shut up. Don't worry about your, your damn braids. Yo, what is going on in the water in North Carolina? What is wrong with people? Okay. Last story. Yeah, last two stories. Yeah, this is um Yeah, okay. Let's let's kind of go out with a bang. Okay. Yeah, uh, North Carolina, come come get your Come get your peoples, man. Come get your peoples. They out here wilding. What clip is this? Okay, let me get rid of that. Trash. Yo, real quick. Before we do that. Okay, I was talking about Scarlett the other night or a couple nights ago. And y'all said Jen Carter. And I heard of Jen Carter. But hearing about somebody and then seeing them. Lord have mercy. This is this was brutal. This was hard to watch. Uh, listen, I I rocks with the youth. I support the youth. But if you don't think there is a gender bending agenda in hip hop taking place right now, I don't know what else to tell you. Let me. Oh my God, this was hard to watch. Hard to watch. Jen Carter is a fast rising drill rapper. Okay. She's popping. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Hey, I'll, I'll let y'all see if y'all see the problem here. All right. Adam 22, no jumper. Don't, don't diss me, bro. Fair use, bro. Fair like use. Parents. Oh, the parents. Yeah. What were your parents like? 
Um, my parents were strict growing up. Mm. You know, for me, they always wanted me like. That's a girl, y'all. That's a girl. A female. Uh, 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 she has ovaries and a uterus. Menstruation. Right? Memories that leak if she ever, was ever to become pregnant. Uh, 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 clitoris. Uh, labia. Labia minora. Labia majora. It's a goddamn girl. That's a whole female. Not only in school, but school on time. You know, for me, I don't know, like having just so much rules just want, just made me want to break up. You mm-hmm. know what I'm trying to say? Like maybe if they gave me a little bit more freedom growing up, I'd be less likely to want to be outside all the time, you know. And that's really how I met a lot of my friends. So it's like I hate y'all right maybe now, it was a blessing nice as well. Age. I hate did y'all they like, trying to say. Did they like uh, 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 accept you coming out to them? Or how did that happen? I mean, it's like, I would say they're like in denial. Oh, really? <laughs> like, for me, but they love me, for me. You, know you always, saying? though, like a tomboyish? or Hell yeah, like growing up. Uh, my, I don't know, like my sister, too. Like growing up, like I just used to watch how she dressed. I loved it. You know what I'm trying to say? I wanted to be her. I ain't going to lie. Like, I love the style. So yeah. for me, it probably it did have an influence on me. Do you, you know guys talk about chicks like it's just some regular? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Did. Come on now. Like, for me, these <laughs> But but it feels like there's no like weirdness at all between you guys of, Bro, in terms of there's no I and mean, I like I go lie I say for me she one of the guys I go lie yeah like this is my brother I go for we trolling everybody knows she one of the guys bro gangster you said smart said like a wild comment though right I got the oh my lord 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 um Will where you at bruh Will's vlog channel. Uh, she the one on the Naughty Bop song. I thought that was a boy. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, yes. That that's. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> where 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 does it end? Regular regular stud. Young and made more man. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She look like Seely. I'm going. Okay, Rose Gold, sit your ass in the corner. No color purple slander. She says she looked like Seely. Seely? Wop came from yeah. my, my song, Spin It To You. Yes. Right for me. I said, Jen got the walk. Makes some respect for me because she like yeah. me. Mm-hmm. That's why I said walk. The fizz, I don't know, bro. They just took that <laughs> real with it, gangster. Yeah. Nah, nah, so like, I think it was during like an interview. I forgot like with who. You said, bro, bro, man, like Jen, like won't let me like try out. Like, oh, I see this. Yeah, shit. Just try to I'm like, come on. I'm talking about that 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 UK nigga, the guys one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, yeah, I was just trolling for me. That day for me, I should just market it. Niggas not I'm not mad. I'm just. God damn, this is what it's looking like, y'all. Seely. <laughs> hey, Chauncey, thank you for the tune super chat. Yeah, uh, yeah, everybody roll out. Everybody get the hell out. Roll out. Retreat. Fall back. What, hey, what did Dutch say? Fall back into position situation. Right? Ain't that what Dutch said? Fall back into position situation. How did that on top of me? Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't do this. 
imagine her feminine that would be a dude looking oh my i'm not gonna do this with y'all today any other day not today let's let's not do this um let me do one one more thing before we get to my final story of, of the day um for all you vegans please stop please stop stop vegan is not the way vegan going vegan is killing you okay eat some meat Eat some meat. Does anyone know who this is? Does, does anybody does anybody know who this is? Please stop doing a vegan thing. You're killing yourself. You're killing yourself. Vegan is not the way. Eat meat. You need the proteins in meat. All right? This is Robert Downey Jr. He's gone vegan for the last couple years. He looks horrible yes this is iron man (laughs) he literally needs some fucking iron man yeah vegan is not the way he said dr evil no this is robert downey jr he owns a vegan um a couple vegan spots or a vegan company and he's been he's been vegan for a a a couple years now this man looks terrible i man and ain't listening Eat some fucking meat. Y'all. Yeah. Summon the spirit of Ozzy Osbourne so we can inject some iron into this man. (laughs) Summon the spirit of Ozzy so we can inject some iron into this man. Okay. All right, let's get to my, my final story. It should be a doozy. Nothing nothing new, nothing you guys haven't heard of before. Oh, wait. Yeah, this is what y'all, okay, this is what y'all want me to talk about. All right, before I do that, let me, let's look at this, this, uh, man, listen. No, I mean, that's the vegan in them. <laughs> Coke don't make you look like this. This ain't Coke, man. Don't, hey, don't put that on Coke. All right. Don't, don't put, don't put the stigma on Coke. Coke does not do this to you. This is a lack of protein, animal fats and stuff. Yeah. Suck this soul up out of him. Yeah. Don't, don't stay away from veganism, dog. It's, it's not the way. Yo, real quick. Cause everyone's talking about it. I might as well. Cause y'all been like hitting me up about it. Fine. We'll cover it real briefly. Because that's what y'all want. Okay. I shall give the people what they want. Adidas. The spirit of Adolf. The spirit of Adolf is still with us. Spirit of Adolf. Let me see. Where is it at? Bless you. Where the hell is it at? See this men's sweatsuit. This ain't it. I'm looking for it. Because y'all kept hounding me about it. Oh, I know, I know. Men's pride. Is this it? Okay. This is what y'all wanted. Y'all wanted me to cover this. Okay. Have at it. Have at it. 
So you, you don't think the black man, the image of the black man ain't been through enough already, right? This is the pride swimsuit. Why is this? You know what? I'm just going to leave it here for y'all to look at. Oh, yes. Oh, no, no. No, no. No. Everybody get your eyes up in here. No, 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 no. This is what y'all like to send me. He said, I'm 50-50 when it comes to eating veggies and some meat. Got to have meat, man. Got to. There's no way around it. Right? Yeah, yes, yes, you did. Wait, wait. Who said we didn't ask for this? Yes, you did, Anthony G. You asked for it. This is what y'all be sending me. Like, I'm not on Twitter. Like, I don't see this shit for my damn self. <laughs> like, I don't see this shit, but damn. No, ain't no taking it down. Ain't no taking it down. <laughs> oh, wait. The Black Brain Trust got flagged. Are you serious? Yo, that's wild. Who, why would someone flag them? They're harmless, respectfully. They're, they're harmless. Why would anybody flag the Black Brain Trust? You know what? I have, I have suspicions. I have suspicions. Our, I, I have a suspect or two in mind. But yeah, what's 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 so much y'all boy? Just hey, listen. Walking like a girl with that boy butt. I don't even know what a boy butt is. I just learned something new today. There's a boy butt. I didn't know. That's oh wow, today? What? Oh, that's crazy, yo. Um shit. How do you flag a channel about business and technology. Like, why would they? You know what? Tavares, quit playing. See, Tavares, don't do that. Don't do that. Nope, don't do that. It said when I tried to go to the replay, it said that the hate speech. <whistles> See, that's why I was thinking Jay Jermaine. No, because you know what? Ed been taking shots at them for the longest. I remember when he went on that rant. And I remember Complex was complaining. You know what? Let me pull this back. Let me pull this back. I don't want to get derailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nate got flagged too. Man, y'all. Man, the block is super hot. Let's see. Show more. Show more. <laughs> Black men are done. Black men are done. This dude got acne on his damn back. That's that's how much of a man he is. <laughs> Look at his little kicker bugs in the back. Get the BDBs. This man got BDBs. Didn't get that shit lined up. This fool got a whole weave extension. Oh, I didn't even notice all this. Lord have mercy. So are these two different men? These are two different men. But the same man? Those are two. These are two different men. Wow. Ladies, I feel so, I, I, listen, if you're trying to date in this day and age, I, my heart goes out to y'all. Go on, get y'all a little Leibowitz. You know, I ain't mad at you. I know y'all, I know y'all want a black cane and all, but listen, if you can't find you no black cane, get you a kosher cane, get you a little Hindu cane, get you a cane to conquer somebody, somebody, you know, get you a, a European Viking king. I, it's it's bad, it's bad, <laughs> it's bad. Get, get you get you 
Yeah. You know? Um yo. Where you at? Where you at? Wait, 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 where you at, Jimmy? Jimmy, Jimmy. Yo, let me get to this part real quick. Okay, so Jay Jermaine, wait, remember, remember when Edward used to go at Complex? Because Complex, for a long time, kept he kept saying that he felt um, they had something to do with, with their growth or their, their channel being stalled, right? And then we were like, a lot of people were like, well, maybe y'all just not as popular or you guys are kind of just don't excite the people. Right, because you just can't keep hitting people with this information. You got to make it entertaining to a certain extent, right? So even I was like, well, maybe he's cap, maybe he's he's cap because, you know, the content is kind of bland in a way. Okay, it's information wise on point. Presentation, it's a bit dry. It's a bit bland. It's not very exciting. It's not sexy, right? And I was like, well, maybe you know he's just upset because he can't get his message across. And the people are, are receiving it, right? But then Ed would go on these rants and how he would say, well, you know, we could do this to people's channels. And I would do this to people's channel. Ed has always been doing that little fuck shit. Y'all pay attention to him. For the last year, he's always bragging about who, who could do what to people's channels. Or if I had my way, I'd snap y'all channels out of existence. You know what I'm saying? So, and then when he kept saying how he reference O'Shea was protecting me and I'm like nigga protect me from who <laughs> who did who did O'Shea protect me from my channel from from who you understand so I wouldn't be surprised if Ed knows who did it now I'm, I'm sure the flag won't stick I'm sure that they go through the review process they'll get their channel back but it's an asinine thing to go through to have your shit flag it is so infuriating it's so time consuming it's, it's nerve wracking but I I would I I know that Ed knows somebody who flagged their channel if if he didn't have a a potential hand in you know, see that little nigga right there boy Ed Ed you out here playing with some men ain't gonna be playing with you like this bro this internet she going all right <laughs> okay okay you going to Scotland to find you uh oh did you uh gonna get you a Scottish cane a Celtic cane you in a kilt Hey, Lassie, he calls you Lassie, he calls you Lottie, right? But, um, yeah, Ed, Ed played too much, man. Play too much. All right, final story. Final story. Nothing new, but it, when it happens, it's very, very, very telling, okay? This is the first story, right? This is old. But it happens, right? You know, people always wondered, you know, the soul of a person, the essence, when it leaves the body, does it stay in the organs? And we've heard stories and accounts of people getting organ transplants from serial killers, people with depression, uh, you know, whoever. And that person ends up doing some really crazy stuff out of the ordinary that they normally wouldn't do. Come to find out, the person had an organ from somebody that was a less desirable, uh, you know, person in, in life. What movie was that? It was a movie many, many years ago. This person had an organ transplant from a, a serial killer and he ended up turning into the serial, the serial, it got possessed by the spirit of the serial killer in that organ. And he went around killing people and stuff. <laughs> 
it was loosely based on a true story. But here's here's an example. So a man who received a heart transplant 12 years ago. Now, mind you, this is back in 2008. He later married the donor's widow. The donor's widow died the same way the donor did. A self-inflicted gunshot wound. Okay. Sonny Graham, 69 years old, Vidalia, Georgia, found Tuesday in a utility building in his backyard with a single gunshot wound to the throat. Okay. Graham, who was the director of the Heritage Golf Tournament at Sea Pines, was on the verge of congestive heart failure when he got a call that a heart was available in Charleston. The heart came from Terry Cottle. These numbers, y'all. Terry Cottle was 33. Sonny Grant was 69. Let's, let's continue. Terry Cottle had shot himself. Grateful for his new heart, Graham began writing letters to the donor's family to thank them. In January of 97, Graham met his donor's widow, Cheryl Cotton. She was then 28. I felt like I had known her for years. I couldn't keep my eyes off of her. In 2001, Graham bought a home for Cottle and her four children in Vidal. Listen, somebody going to want these women. I keep trying to tell y'all this whole shaming single mothers thing does not work. Somebody going to want these women with these kids. Let's continue. Three years later, they were married after Graham retired from his job as a plant manager for Hargy uh, Communications in Hilton Head. From their previous marriages, the couple had six children and six grandchildren scattered across South Carolina and Georgia. Shell Graham, now 39, has worked as a sev at several hospices in Vidalia. A telephone message left Sunday at a listing for Cheryl and Sonny Graham was not immediately returned. Anytime someone had a problem, the first reaction was call Sonny Graham, said Bill Carson, Graham's friend for more than 40 years. It didn't matter whether you had a flat tire on the side of the road or your washing machine didn't work. He didn't even have to know you to help you. We have to dive further into this story. Let's continue to dive further into the story of Sonny Graham. Boop. Okay, April Fool's Day, almost exactly 13 years since since another man's great uh, man. Self-deletion gave, uh, gave Graham a second chance of life. That man was Terry Cotter when he ended his life, got his heart. Okay, nearly after a decade. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Cellular memory. Reporters said, and bloggers waxed about, uh, about cellular memory and whether the organ somehow held a, a self-deletion, apoptosis gene. Right? So what they say, the brain is where the conscious resides, where love and loss are felt. The heart is just a pump. Okay. Now, Terry Cotto was living with his wife and their two young daughters in one of the subsidized apartment buildings they managed in Jasper County, South Carolina. Cotto's boss had a daughter, a petite beauty with auburn eyes and hazel, uh, auburn hair and hazel eyes. Cheryl Sweat had recently had their three-year marriage annulled on grounds that her husband was married to someone else. 
It was he who called Cottle's wife sometime later saying, I just want you to know that your husband is seeing my wife. Wow. Terry Cottle filed for divorce nine days after he was granted in May of 89. He and Cheryl were, were married. At first, things seemed wonderful. Terry adopted Cheryl's two sons. Here we go again. These stepdads is all of a sudden just rearing their ugly heads, right? Somehow these white women, these single moms, find men to take on them and their children. Okay, let's continue. Her two sons, Christopher and Timmy, a daughter, Jessica, was born. Cottle worked while his new wife studied for her nursing degree. I'm not going down that road again. J.J. May said, no, no mas. No mas. In late 94, the couple graduated from a single wide trailer to a new double wide in the town of Monks Corner, South Carolina. Cheryl's widowed mother soon moved in. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Terry had dropped out of high school, but earned an equivalency diploma and worked around his limited prospects. He got a real estate license and at 33 became a certified emergency medical technician, but it never seemed to be enough. Terry talked frequently with his ex-wife, having him call, having her call him on the 800 number at the exterminating company where he worked. So Cheryl wouldn't find out. Talk to me. He said one night, I've got a gun to my head. Within a month of his mother-in-law's arrival, Cottle had moved out of the trailer and in with his sister, Tammy. But before long, Cheryl started coming around, or coming around, cooking dinner for the family and spending the night in Terry's room. Erickson was pregnant with her second child and ter needed Terry's room for a nursery. She told her brother to make a decision. If you love her and you want to make this work, then you need to go home and be with her. He did. But three weeks later, on March 15th, the couple got into a huge argument. Cheryl told Terry that she couldn't stay married to a man who made less money than she did. Uh-oh. Listen, nobody's more red pill than white men. Nobody is more red pill than white men. White men have been getting their asses kicked by their own women for decades. Black men are just now going through this since, what, the, the 70s? Since the 70s? White men have stayed getting their asses whooped on by, the, by his woman. Let's continue. At some point, her son Timmy recalls she took off her wedding ring and threw it over the fence. By morning, they had agreed that Cottle should leave. As he prepared to depart, Cottle went into the bathroom. There was a gunshot. Initially, Cheryl told sheriff's investigators she heard 10-year-old Christopher shouting that Cottle had shot himself. She said she ran into the bathroom and found him on the floor with a revolver still in his hand. In a second version attached to the coroner's report, Cheryl says she was eating oatmeal when one of her boys yelled, Mom, Dad has a gun. She said she ran into the, toward the bathroom and saw Terry standing up and looking at her with the gun in his hand. She said that she yelled something like, Terry, wait. And this was about the same time as she pushed on the door to try to get into the bathroom. At that same time, she heard a shot. Oh, gosh, baby, help me, help me. I'm dying, he gasped as she recalled his words. The 22 caliber slug entered Cottle's skull just right behind the right ear. There was no exit wound. On March 20th, after four days in a trauma unit at Medical University Center, uh, South Carolina, in Charleston, Cheryl, at the urging of her father-in-law, agreed to take Terry off life support and donate his organs. About 60 miles to the southwest, 57-year-old Sonny Graham got the call he had been waiting more than a year for. Remus T. Sonny Graham was a big man on Hilton Head. Blah, blah, blah. Here's his, his backstory. Okay, here we go. 
1994, Graham contra uh, contracted a virus that damaged his heart muscle by early 95. The strapping woodsman who had once hauled fighting salmon out of a rushing Alaskan stream struggled to get up from a chair. Graham's name went on the transplant list. Around 5 p.m. March 20, Graham learned that a heart had been a become available. Coddles. It turned out it was about as close to a perfect match as they come. Within six months of the transplant, Graham was well enough to go on a fishing trip with Carson to Alaska. He joked that having a 33-year-old's heart had done wonders for his libido. And the doctor suggested he see a counselor in case of any guilt. Uh, Graham declined. I'm sorry the other guy died, but this is my heart now. But friends noticed some subtle changes. A new craving for beer, a taste for hot dogs, which happened to be one of Cottle's favorite foods, Pastor John Keller sensed a general restlessness as if Graham were looking for different avenues to travel. In November 96, Graham asked the South Carolina, Oregon uh, procurement agency to forward a letter to the donor's family. His children said it was a bad idea, but he wanted to thank Cottle's wife in person. After the exchange of another letter and some photographs, Cheryl Cottle called Graham. All right, 97 January, he and his wife met for dinner at a romantic waterfront restaurant in Charleston. Graham couldn't keep his eyes off the 30-year-old widow. I fell in love with Cheryl the first time we met. The feeling was apparently mutual. That April, Cheryl married, uh, married Sonny, husband number three, George Watkins. Elaine and Sonny Graham attended the wedding, and Sonny, standing in for Cheryl's late father, gave away the bride. Cheryl bore Watkins' son in January 99. Around that same time, Elaine Graham learned that her husband's relationship with the younger woman was more than fatherly. Okay. In a poignant letter, Graham apologized to his wife for being the SOB you said I was and destroying a relationship that we held for 40 plus years. I let someone come between you and I, which should have never happened, he wrote. I look back on everything and to see what I, where, where I gave up love, companionship for attention and affection. It would be wonderful if I could turn back our lives for the past four years. Both couples separated and shortly after a judge declared Graham's 38-year 38, 38 marriage over. Cheryl and Graham moved into a mobile home on land that he bought in his hometown. So this is where things go wrong for him. Okay. Cheryl left. Graham promptly sued, accusing her of reneging on some loans and refusing to return a diamond ring. She alleged in a counterclaim that when she told Graham their relationship wasn't going to work, he became more possessive and he threatened her. In the midst of a court case, she married again. Husband number four, John B. Johnson Jr. was a corrections officer at the Georgia prison where Cheryl had been working as a contract nurse. In the year, that marriage too began to crumble. So this woman is, holy cow, this woman is bad news. Okay, here we go. During Yotad reconciliation, Johnson says a chilling incident uh, occurred. One evening while they lay in bed, he says Cheryl began talking about self-deletion. When she failed to return from a bathroom trip, Johnson went to investigate and he sa says he found her clutching his 22 caliber revolver. As they wrestled over the weapon, Johnson says the children and Cheryl's mother rushed in. He says Cheryl told them that he had gotten the gun and was threatening to shoot himself. Holy cow, they separated. By the time the divorce was final in August 2004, Cheryl was already wearing Graham's ring. It's true what it says in the Bible. If you live God's will and give with a happy heart, you will reap the rewards. Graham said he put my life in God's hands. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing wrong at all. Okay, game lock. Leave a copy. Okay, 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 okay. This was, he just wasn't the happy-go-lucky guy I've known all my life. Okay. Late April, shortly after Gramps' death, 
Cheryl told Tom Hilton, an old friend over drinks, she complained that Graham didn't leave me a dime. Apparently, Graham had blown through his retirement funds and ran up large debts, about triple his assets, trying, as he once put it, to keep Cheryl in the style she wants to live. I always thought my uncle was in pretty good financial standing. It was just a shock to me that his finances were that and were in that bad of condition. Okay, family members monitoring the account noticed that shortly after Graham's death, she posted a man's photo identifying him as her new boyfriend, a flirtatious message on the man's webpage from her account dated March 26, six days before Graham's death. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so during a 2005 dispute over custody over the, uh, the grandchildren, he, uh, first husband Isaac Bo Carter said, Cheryl called his North Carolina home and threatened to blow my brains out with the 38 piss. Jesus, Pete. This is horrible. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Jeez. Now let's get to the theory behind it, right? So the term is called uh, temporalities of transpl uh, transplantation. Okay. So here we go. There's several cases. Okay, here's one case. 2008, a 47-year-old female named Claire Sylvia, who became the first woman in Britain to successfully receive a full heart lung transplant. When Claire recovered from her transplant, she began to find that she was having strange craving, the like she never had before, cravings for beer, which she had never desired to drink before, as well as a change in her eating habits and described having a wild craving for McDonald's chicken nuggets but Claire had never cared for them before her operation. These kind of changes could quite easily be explained if presented on their own terms of evidence. However, Claire also described having strange dreams post-surgery in which she described her, vi his, her visions of a young man, thin build, and gave him a name, Tim. Her dreams of Tim were incredibly vivid to the point where Claire began to suspect that the young man she was seeing was actually her organ donor. Claire would later find that her organ donor was a young man, just 18, Timothy Lamarand, who died in a motorcycle accident. It was said at the scene he was found with a bag of McDonald's chicken nuggets in his pocket. Okay, the case of 45-year-old Cheryl Coughlin. She found that not only did her taste in food change, but also her interest in books, music, and movies took a drastic turn after her kidney transplant. She says, I didn't just get my donor's kidneys. I also got his taste for food and his love for reading and other habits. I'm living proof of what when donate organs, part, uh, part of your personality also lives on in the other person. As I recovered, I realized I'd inherited some of my donor's likes and dislikes. The chick flicks and books I loved, I suddenly couldn't stand. Instead, I began reading war books and historical biographies. My interests seemed more manly. Prior to surgery, I loved seafood now that... The thought of it makes me ill. Instead of I craved brown bread, mustard, and cheese. It was like my taste buds had been swapped over as well. I went online and discovered cellular memory. Some doctors think it happens. Others don't. I'm proof it does. The theory is, cellular memory theory is, um, of inherited memory at a cellular level, speculates that memories, habits, interests, and taste can be stored, not only in the capacity of the human brain, but the very cells of the human body. To explain these parallels between donors and recipients, a study was conducted uh, by Pearsall, changes in transplant recipients that parallel the personalities of their donors. In this study, he interviewed 10 heart transplant recipients, 10 heart lung recipients, and their friends and families. 
also interviewed were friends of the families of the deceased donors. Persaw found that previously non-existing traits were found in the recipients that could be directly connected to the donor. Not only were personality changes identified, but also perceptions of names and sensory experiences. Okay. Here we go. One such case involves Daryl. Daryl, five-year-old boy who needed a new heart. He finally got the heart he needed from a three-year-old boy who died after falling from a window. Having no previous knowledge of his donor, Daryl began describing to his parents that he saw a young boy in his dreams called Timmy, who had told him that he had been hurt in the fall. At the time, Daryl's parents had no knowledge of his donor either, but were spooked when they found out some more. Daryl, who had loved the Power Rangers prior to his surgery, had suddenly developed a fear of them. This doesn't seem strange, does it? Now add that little Timmy had fallen from the window because he was trying to reach his toy Power Ranger. The parents of the little uh, that the little donor were made aware of these occurrences with Daryl. Okay. It is then we find out that the donor's name is Thomas, but given the nickname Timmy by his friends and family, Timmy's mother had seen a photo of Daryl with his family and noted how she knew even before she was told that the boy was Daryl. She recognized the young boy smiling back at her quite literally as she describes Daryl's smile being exactly the same as her deceased son. Okay. Okay. Do you believe in cellular memory? Uh, I'm gonna get into all this. I'll get into this later. That's a later. That's a we'll get we'll do that later. Okay. Give yourselves what they. Yo, yeah, and shh. bruh. Listen, we don't we're not supposed to be sharing organs. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. You know what, Rose Gold? You are the well, since that's your line of work, you know, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do more digging on stuff like that. I'll find more examples of, uh, cellular memory with, with donors and stuff like that. It's fascinating stuff. I mean, I've heard the stories about it, but I never really looked into it like that. So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Techie said myself would definitely want some Popeye's chicken and biscuit. Which one of y'all sales be craving red lobsters, butter, uh, cheddar biscuits, right? Give me your nuggets with sweet and sour sauce. Yeah, energy transfer is real, very real, very real. So, you know, I guess in essence, you don't totally die, right? So if you're, if you're an organ donor on the back of your car, also that's, a, that's dicey too because a lot of companies, what they do, if they know you're an organ donor, and they need something and you fit that profile, they will like go out of the, not go out of their way to save you. If you get hurt in an accident or something, they'll kind of let you expire just to get that organ. And you won't get the full scope of the medical, uh, uh, the, uh, the medical professional skill set to save your life. So also be wary of the, if you're an organ donor, 
I don't sign mine just because I've seen too many stories where they just let the, pe- the person expire because they need the, that person fit an organ profile and they needed that uh, particular organ. So y'all just be, y'all be mindful. So I'm gonna get out of here. And, uh, yeah, shout out to everybody. Oh no, my sales probably going to want crave Mexican, Mexican food. Really? I mean, you are in t- Texas. You are down there in Tejas. Oh my God. Parents donated their bodies to me. Oh, you, I see. Oh, that's, that's wild. Okay. I know Oregon donor. Okay. I'm not, listen, I'm not for or against. I'm just saying there is a market for black people with their organs. And if you get jammed up, there's a good risk. They will not help you. They'll let you expire just to get that particular organ out of you, you know? So yeah, I, I don't sign mine because then I'll be, I'll be goddamn, you know? Took y'all out the donor card. Okay, okay, okay. Mine would definitely want some soul food. Lord have mercy. Could you, could y'all imagine some of y'all organs and other people's? Yeah, my, my husband had this, he, he never touched a gun. Now all of a sudden he, he calls himself gunplay. Like what? Yeah, he calls himself gunplay. Ma'am, are you sure? Yeah, he, he's never shot a gun in his life. Now he buys AK-47s. <laughs> he stores rounds of ammunition. He runs around yelling contact. <laughs> oh, that's right. The episode uh, when Mo, uh, oh yeah, oh, that's right. Mo, the, the bartender got the town criminal's eyes. That's right. Oh, okay, okay. Carrie says it's not enough to take yourself off the donor card. You have to remove yourself from the national database. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Okay, we gonna eat Mexican food here in Texas. <laughs> Yeah, y'all, um, I mean, yeah, it, it is what it is. I'm taking my organs with me. Listen, waste not, want not. Waste not, want not. Yeah, he, he we spent our entire retirement money on guns. Uh-oh. Oh, look, it's a, another fake Edward Anderson account. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. I wish that were you at. Edward, I wish this were you. I wish this were the, the real you. I would let you up for a conversation. But more than likely, you're a troll account. Let's see. Nah, that's another troll account, y'all. It's a troll account. Okay. <laughs> When my aunt was the head of the transplant department at Illinois Masonic, a woman came in with a cooler organs trying to sell them at the hospital. But did they buy them though? But did they take the organs? But did they take the organs? That's funny. Yo, bro, listen, I, I'm trying to listen. Real life, the internet. So they don't mesh well. So with that being said, I'm not going to waste y'all time. I'm going to get up out of here. Thank you, everybody that came to hang out. Thank everybody that donated tonight, time and energy, uh, all that good stuff. So um, tomorrow, mañana, we'll do it again tomorrow. So with that being said, let me get up out of here. Let me get up out of here. How tall are you? I'm only 5'5". Five, five. Super slides 5'5 five, five and gets plenty of air. <laughs> Sensational. 
Y'all have a good night. Peace.